Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. If you've ever seen anything that I've ever written, I've written it lying down with a laptop on my chest with my head up like this. Uh huh. <laughs> but have you got any system for like balancing the laptop on top of something on your chest? My system is that I'm a glutton and I'm so fat that it just rests there perfectly. It does nicely. sit very nicely there. I've seen it. So, so the belly is perform. That's that's making some kind of backstop for it. But, Correct. But I mean, <laughs> you, is your chest raised enough to give it the necessary height? M- my tits are voluminous enough. <laughs> <laughs> My laptop sits in a, a cushion of tit flesh. It really right, does. Right, right, yes. Okay. I write. I, I'm, I've only just thought of this. I write like a knocked out T Rex. <laughs> <laughs> so the other night, I go out. I'm in blue cords, blue sweatshirt. I only realize once I'm out in the world that my current manicure is also blue and I have a navy blue coat. And I'm like looking at myself and I was like, no, 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 no. You look like a fucking... You know, there are these ladies who always do purple. Like Skylar's sister in Breaking Bad. Yes. Also, what goes on with the purple ladies? I would like to know. Are you a purple lady? Listen no, we, to this. I don't think we have any purple ladies. But maybe, maybe we do, though. Okay, maybe if you're do. a purple and lady... why is it always purple ladies with the exception of Prince? Purple Prince. <laughs> he is thought of as cooler... Than the average purple lady. Mm. If you're a purple lady listening, I am so grateful for your listenership. But if more likely you're related to a purple lady, what's it about? There's a biggest little girl in the world energy to it. <laughs> like maybe if you're a purple lady, you also like a big dollhouse. Shall we tell them about our guests? You tell them. I don't have the right energy to even do it in a way that won't embarrass me. They are the men at the centre of a phenomenon, I think it's fair to say. One of them is the brain behind the phenomenon, do you think? There's no think about it. Alex Horn is the creator of Taskmaster. He has a brilliantly inventive mind. Yes. I've always enjoyed seeing his stand-up shows where that is on display. Before he got so famous and he did all these stand-up shows at Soho Theatre, we used to go see him quite frequently. And then the Taskmaster himself. Your aspirational boyfriend. Greg Davis. Now, the reason Sarah says that is I've I've interviewed Greg on a number of occasions. And I've always thought we've got good chemistry. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how to transition from being an interviewer into being a friend. Here's what I think. Uh I think when we're having a conversation on the mic about Uh how we should become real life friends uh-huh. it's a performance for him but but then if i was to sex him and say hey do, do you want to go open water swimming with me one day <laughs> he's such a thing he doesn't need your shit at 
all. Just you can't befriend famous people. They got to live in their own little world with their people and people who knew them from before. This is exactly it. I feel like I missed the opportunity. Because yeah, when did. I first used to interview Greg, it was be- before he this... He skyrocketed. It, it was before this skyrocketing. And there was, there was, possibly, there was a moment there, mm-hmm. but it's passed because I now look like I would be glomming on to yeah. him. Maybe there is some real nice future and you could like hold each other when you're both dying. I don't know. <laughs> but I think that like losing that potential friendship is the better scenario it would be nice to slip away from this world nuzzled into the enormous chest of greg davis would you rather Mm. do that or um have me and your son with you when you die i don't think you'd have much to give what else am i going to be doing at that stage i think you would be there i think even if it took me many hours to slip away i think you you would be there and present. But I think I would be able to perceive annoyance but, on your face of how long it was taking me to die. But we're constantly getting... And, and our son would just want to be playing on an iPad. <laughs> our guests later, Taskmasters, Alex Horn and Greg Davis. My quick watch this week. I watched something called Four Blocks. Now, this was mentioned to us by Jamali Maddox. Here's the idea. There is an Arabic family based in Berlin, like these sort of drug lords, two brothers at the top, one Tony, and ladies and everyone, the sex appeal of Tony Hamadi comes out of nowhere. How do you say hello in German? Guten Tag. Guten Tag. He wants to be exiting the family business. He wants his German citizenship. He wants to have a real job. He's become a father. Fatherhood has changed him. And his brother, Abbas, Abbas is the wild child. Abbas is a little more out of control. Abbas married a crazy Polish lady who's a little bit sexy who used to dance on the poles. These guys, these gangsters, they're always in a strip club. Every time. Sopranos, strip club. Mystery in between. Strip club. I just feel like there have to be men who are like, I know this is my world, but I wish it didn't also mean that I have to always be in a strip club. Why can't they have their meetings at a coffee shop? Is it about laundering money? Because you want a business which uses cash a lot. The the cash goes into the G-strings. Can I make a request? I've never been to a male strip club, but I genuinely aspire to go at one point. I don't want to go somewhere where the men strip down to banana hammock. I want them to stop once they're in tight boxer briefs. So so you want a certificate PG male strip club? <laughs> somewhere you could take your teenage children? Yeah, I would like to be able to go with the teenage daughter that I don't have. <laughs> so you'd be surprised to hear that scenes occur not only in a strip club, but also a dirty cinema. Do they still exist? This is what was shocking to me. These two characters have to do illicit business. This happens in this dirty cinema. I think it would be difficult to deal illicitly and not be distracted by what was on the screen. Part of the allure must be that there are other people around you also masturbating. Like, that must be part of the kink of it all. Yes, I I think that about... There is a, a, a local cemetery close to where we live. Mm-hmm. It's it's an unholy alliance of dog walkers, families with young children, and impertuners. Uh-huh. Now, I know that's part of gay culture, so it's all wrapped up in that. But I just think I'd rather be on the apps and arrange a meeting place indoors. No, but first of all, I'm not suggesting anything. I don't want to have sex outdoors with you ever. But... There is this thing where like it is, I'm learning about this in my happiness podcasts. It's earthing. It's connecting our bodies to the bare earth is actually very good for us. If you're meeting in a cemetery or elsewhere and you're going to fuck someone there, 
do you ever take your shoes off to connect to the earth? <laughs> because I, you know, sex is sex is natural. Sex is good. Not everybody does that, but everybody should. <laughs> and if you're doing the inter the inter sea, and you're like your whole back is actually in some mud or grass, I bet that's very very healthy for you. Again, I don't think I want to do it. Maybe I do. I can see how that would be like a holistic health experience. All right, sexy drug lord, titty bar, dirty picture house. Anything else? Yes. It's another filth factor. Graffiti. There's a lot of graffiti going on in Berlin. I find graffiti disgusting. Really? Yeah, I find it. I, I've i never been around graffiti that hasn't made me feel actually like gross. Really? Yes. I feel like there's a judgment even in calling it graffiti rather than street art. Oh, is that what I'm supposed to be fucking calling it? Street art? There's a little alleyway close to our house and there's some mural on the wall. I think it would be a dollar alleyway without it. I feel very fondly towards that bit of street art actually it feels like the artist was inspired by frida kahlo so when there's some kind of appreciation of art history standing on shoulders of giants yeah if you're gonna stand on the shoulder of a giant i'm comfortable if you're expressing yourself with your own original work i'm disgusted (laughs) no new work you want to see the influence of the old masters show me the old masters don't create anything original yourself So is there a lot of four blocks? Is this a situation like Mr. In-Between, where you're giving a real gift to the listeners if they get into it? I I think so. So I'm four episodes in, but I recommend this to you as highly as I've recommended anything in a while. My quick watch this week, we actually watched together. Yes, which I was happy for because I was excited to watch it as well. Louis Theroux is back with his celebrity interviews series, which... Makes it sound more banal than it is. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? But it's like the best version of a thing. It's so good. And I feel like I have a lot of hurdles to get over with Louis Theroux. He's very successful. Very successful and and lives in the same category of nerdy man as I do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's some jealousy there. He's also, he's an interviewer, which is a big part of what you have done professionally. Yes. And he's better than you are at it. Yes, yes. So that bothers you. And irritatingly, these celebrity profiles are showing off a skill that I don't think you see as much in his earlier work. Which is? Which is, he's spent time with famous people in the past but they've tended to be kind of ridiculous or weird in some way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying there's no skill in taking somebody who's a bit awful and just giving them enough rope to hang themselves. He does that very, very well. But it's a different thing to this current series where you see these seriously talented, beloved people like a Judy Dench or a Stormzy. And what he gets out of them, you feel is a real sense of who they are, not the person they are when they're on the chat show firing off their best anecdotes. Yes. I think part of it is the level of respect he commands. Because of this kind of like, not just a celebrity, it's, it's, but the well, it's kind like of... the Howard Stern thing. Yeah. So when people go on the in. Howard Stern show and, 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 People might have an idea of in the head of who Howard Stern is, the American, in inverted commas, shock jock. But he also does the best celebrity interviews you will ever hear. Yes. But the reason is because his stature is such that he can ask anything mm-hmm. without fear of people getting up and walking out. Mm-hmm. And Louis mm-hmm. Theroux has a bit of that to him as yes. well. Yeah. And even, you know, the, the first one that we watched this, well, that you watched was Anthony Joshua. I think if you'd said to me, who is Anthony Joshua? I don't know that I would have been able to answer that question. Yeah, I think he's like one of the most famous athletes in the country, but we're both so dialed out with anything to do with sport, we had no idea. But that's interesting. Louis Theroux 
is the person who can get you interested in sport. And not just sport, boxing, which I hate. I recoil from if it's on the TV. I recoil from. And so because, of course, they're interviewing Anthony Joshua, they they show all these clips of him fighting. And I am just here to double down on my opinion that boxing is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. I just think if you are someone who's like, let's go watch the match, you are someone who would have showed up to a public stoning back in the day. If you if you go to a big fight, you would have gone to an execution. That's what I think. <laughs> you would have like gone to the Coliseum in the day and watched people like joust till the death. I wouldn't have been fucking doing that shit. Because he's squeamish. It's not squeamish. I can watch someone take a shit on the road. (laughs) (laughs) And often do. Well, I actually don't. But I'm saying, if you said to me, Sarah, what would you rather? You're going to have to go watch someone have diarrhea emergency. Or you're going to have to go sit and watch a boxing match. Oh, my God. Diarrhea on the road. You, you boxing fan, you've got an appetite for violence that I do not have. And I'm sorry, but if you smell superiority in my voice, it's because I think I'm better than you as a result of that. So anyway, I watched this thing and I thought, Louis Theroux is amazing what he does. I really like Anthony Joshua personally, but holy shit, I am doubling fucking down on my opinions on on boxing as a sport. Most of what I heard from you at the other end of the sofa as we were watching this interview was semi-orgasmic moaning and you saying, he is so handsome. It is a Astounding. But I would be curious to know how it reflects on our marriage. If, if there are other people in long-term relationships, is it a common thing for your partner to be watching TV with you going, oh, look, look at how, oh, look at, the, constantly. Can I do how I think I was doing yeah. it? I think that's how you heard it. Uh-huh. How I felt I was saying it was, like, it was almost like I was looking at a, at a beautiful sunset. I can't believe we get to look at that sunset while we eat dinner on our nice holiday. That's how I, that's how I felt. <laughs> Anyway, I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. Yes, I'm really looking forward to it too. Pete Doherty is one of the guests. Oh. Joan Collins. Oh. Chelsea Manning. No. Former whistleblower, now DJ and public speaker. Go live that best life is the phrase I think people have, Chelsea, right? We would love for you to make your presence felt in our inbox. Send us an email. Is there a place, is there a location where if a show is set there, you're just more likely to watch it? Like Berlin, drawing you in with four blocks. Gay Perry. Remember in the 90s, there was a real thing over here for Sunday night TV having nice scenery in it. There was a show called Bally Kiss Angel, which was set in a picturesque part of Ireland. All creatures great and small Uh in the Yorkshire Dales. Uh A European city. Is a real draw for me. I'd also be interested to hear what the gold standard of interviewers is for other people. For a lot of Americans, it's Terry Gross. And I think that you can't just dip into Terry Gross because it feels, it sounds a certain way to people. It sounds very, hmm, hmm. But in fact, she is one of the most present interviewers I've ever heard. I always enjoyed Ruby Wax's interviews. I don't know how well they've aged. I don't feel that I need any more people doing them. So butt out. Yeah, you know, we got we got a man. We don't need a woman on it. Also, what if there's someone listening to this who feels they could cure us of our boxing aversion? I mean, tell me how I got it wrong, but I feel very unopen to the idea of my own incorrectness. Another thing I'd like to know is... How much objectifying of someone on screen is acceptable from your partner when you're watching TV on the sofa with them? 
And can you just like look at each other? Because I think people know their person's type. Because none of us are fucking married to our type. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like we're all ultimately married to our type, really. But like whatever your sort of thing is, I don't know. We've all made some compromises. Yeah, everyone's compromising. Oh, and are you a purple lady or do you know a purple lady? Yes, please, if you know. uh, What is going on? What is going on with them? It's some kind of self-soothing is what's going on, but tell me more. Our email address is... Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. I want to play a character when I pitch our Patreon this week. Do you have any suggestions, any roles you'd like to see me embody right now as I pitch our pate? I always think that there's a lot of you in Calamity Jane. Well, all right then. I'm Calamity Jane. Is she Australian Calamity Jane? I'm being from America right now. Okay. All right? Your face your face is not supportive. I, I'm just wondering if maybe hearing from Sarah, from the Sarah our listeners know and love rather than Clam, oh, is, is going to do a better job of okay, letting look, people right. know what's going on on the Patreon. Ugh, I hate having to hit with a straight bat, but here I go. Look, real talk, this is another week. We've got a few of these coming up. You're going to want this week's Extended. We talked to Alex Horn and Greg Davies. I think we spoke to them for an hour and 15. Ish. I'll be real with you. You and Greg have so much magic. Do you think Alex and I had some magic? Yeah. The point is, is that we like to be, I am very, very, very adamant about being respectful of people's time. I try very, very, very hard. So I will often say to the guests, like, we've, we've, we've taken up all of your time. Thank you. I know what. And Greg went, are we done already? Because he was having a fucking good time. Do you understand? He was saying all this funny, weird shit. He was going, people are not going to want to hear this. I was thinking, people are going to want to hear this. This is like, if you're going to join the Patreon, even if it's just for one month, this is when you should join. Then cancel your membership, okay? Don't. Please don't. Please don't. I can see when people cancel. It's like a fucking punch in my stomach. I feel fucking (laughs) abused when people cancel. It's happened a few times. Especially when it's a name that we recognize from emails they sent in and we've read out. Oh, my God. I've never actually seen it from any emails. Sometimes I recognize. It doesn't matter. The point is... I will not I will not get upset or take it personally if you join this month and then cancel, okay? But I feel strongly that this extended is going to be one that is worth three pounds. If you are a big Taskmaster fan or just if you worship at the altar of Alex Horner, Greg Davies, this is the one, this is the moment, this is when you join. You do it for me and you do it for you and you do it for us. Patreon.com. Stroke, they like to watch. And coming up later, the truncated version of that interview. The light, L-I-T-E version. L-I-T-E, but extended on Patreon, £3 a month. I am excited about this show that we watched together this week. Mm -hmm. There has only been one episode of it so far, and I might usually be a bit hesitant about going all in. However, here we are, nailing our colours to the mast of The Curse on Paramount+. Plus. Do you want to tell people what it's about? Yes. It stars Emma Stone. You love Emma Stone. I do. You're blinded by her beauty. You love her so much. But she's very good. But she's very good. And her co-star is Nathan Fielder, whose name comes up a lot in our inbox. Mm -hmm. Nathan for you, which I've seen clips of and always liked, but never got around to watching the whole thing. And the rehearsal, which I've watched two or three episodes of, loved, but never went back to. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you why I don't think I've ever been back to it. Because 
I like watching stuff with you and you weren't that into it. Which reflects poorly on me because everyone who talks about that show says that it's like phenomenal. But it reflects poorly on me that I only like watching TV with you. Oh yeah, but we've, we've, that's covered ground. Do you think, you know how the cliche about French people is it's okay to take a mistress? Uh huh. Do you think it would be okay for me to have somebody who just comes around and watches TV with me? I would love that. I'm always encouraging you to like be with other women in platonic situations. It, it wouldn't even have to be a woman. But I would like part of my body to be touching theirs because that's how I feel comfortable. Do you want to hold another woman while you watch? Do you want to hold a man while you watch? Do you just want your feet touching? Just our feet touching would be fine. You want feet touching in the middle of the sofa. Man or woman, the gender doesn't matter. I wouldn't mind them sat up, my head in their lap. And that that would feel completely non-sexual to you? Yes. You might need a doll. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to be the doll then you can be the doll and make the doll be the human. I don't think the touch of a doll... You don't know how human these dolls can be. Neither do I. They don't have a pulse. You, they've got to be coming. You need a, a, a hold robot. Not yes. a sex robot, a but a robot. hold robot. I do. I do. Because if you, and then you could take the hold robot on a walk with you. All these things that you don't want to do alone that would be good for our marriage <laughs> if you could do... Like you could take and people would be like, oh, there's that guy and he's got that robot who walks him around the park. <laughs> and it's like a little bit sad, but whatever works for you. I mean, it is a problem that these things don't exist as of yet. Everything's coming. Everything's coming because <laughs> of AI. It's all coming. End of the world. But before the end of the world, walk robot, hold robot. <laughs> Emma Stone, Nathan Fielder, they play a recently married couple who are also in business together. Their business appears to be some kind of socially responsible, philanthropic property development. Mm -hmm. They are doing this in front of a camera crew who are making a reality show about them for one of these homes and property networks. HGTV. That's the basic premise, right? Mm Mm-hmm. As the episode goes on, we learn some things about their marriage and about their backstories. Uh, Interestingly, her father is a slum landlord. Mm -hmm. For the first half of our relationship, a lot of time was taken up by you doing impersonations of your old landlord. Oh my God, I forgot. Yakimo Golo. (laughs) I had a landlord. His his, his, his original name was Yakimo, but we called him Jack Golo. He was a goddamn slum lord. And he he, wouldn't give me any heat. And we started off and he sort of thought I was like a nice young lady. But then when I started giving him pushback, well, we became enemies. I took him to court. Remember, I took him to court. (laughs) So when I like one of the first signs I had is that that my oven broke at one point. Like it just had no oven and no stove. And I was like, hi, Jack. This is when I was still being real sweet. This was before the lawsuit. I was like, hey, Jack, it's Sarah Barron. Um, my my oven has stopped working. So I was hoping that someone could come by. And he went, what are you going to do? Make a lasagna tonight. And I was like. (laughs) Um, no, I'm not, I'm not going to make a lasagna tonight, but I, I would like a functional oven. I love the lo- logic of that. You want a stove? What are you going to do? Make a lasagna? What are you going to do? Make a lasagna tonight? He and I started off so well, like this nice Italian man from the neighborhood. And just this lovely little lady who was so happy to rent out such a nice apartment at such an affordable price. And then both of us took our masks off. (laughs) And he went, I'm a slumlord. And I went, you should meet my mother. And the (laughs) apple does not fall far from the tree, motherfucker. You want someone who's going to withhold rent? Nice to meet you. The slum landlord, um, Emma Stone's character's father, is played by Corbin Burnson, who I remember from L.A. Law. Is that who that is? Yes. Wow, he's unrecognisable in the role. 
And we got into a slight marital disagreement the other night because I said, I didn't, didn't your dad once bump into Corbin Burnson in a lift? And you were adamant that that never happened. Uh-huh. And, and you were basically right, but there was a scintilla of truth to what I was saying. But I had to text your dad. I was like, no, it was an actor named Charles Kimbrough who was in the show Murphy Brown. But I was right in that he once saw Corbin Burnson on the South Bank in London. But he didn't go up to him. No. Thank God. He spoke to the other guy. When I like remember it, I'm like, what is reality and what is fantasy? We were we had gone on a family holiday. We were in California. And he I don't know what was said, but the idea that my father would see a celebrity and speak to them, it's almost to me that it's almost like I found like my father's pornography collection or something. This is how I felt the other day when I saw you like a celebrity's Instagram post. Can I explain myself? I'm I'm really embarrassed, but can I explain myself? I'm like trying to make the algorithm like me more. <laughs> so I'm trying to go on less but like more. So I'm like trying to find something that feels appropriate and Mark Duplass, who's like an actor and a director. He's in the morning morning show. show. He did this post about his depression. And I was like, okay, I can mark, I can like this without embarrassing myself too much. And then Jeff screen grabbed it. I was like, why is there a screen grab of that Mark Duplass? And it was so you could humiliate me for having (laughs) liked it. Um, We should say this, this show is funny. It's, I think, tonally, this is, you know, going off one episode, tonally, it feels as singular as succession. In that it just doesn't seem like anything else. It doesn't seem like anything else you've ever seen. And the title, The Curse, do you think we need to explain that? Here's, may I? Mm. May I? Mm. I think a curse is, what do you do to a curse? Do you cast a curse? Do you... You put a curse on someone. put, that's what happens with a curse. It's put. So a curse is put. But I do think saying more than that is to give too much away. How would you feel if someone put a curse on you? Fucking terrified after listening to that uncanny podcast. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I'm becoming more spiritual through my happiness podcasts, and I don't want a fucking curse on me. Have you thought about putting curses on other people? I wish ill on other people, or I wish a lack of success. I watch people try stuff, and I think, I hope that fails for you. Kind of regularly. <laughs> But, but I don't think I'm actively, like, cursing them. But you don't think you'd introduce that into your repertoire? So you get into one of your little altercations with someone, mm-hmm. and then you just stop dead and say, I, I curse. curse you. No, I think, I, I think I'd lose the argument when that happens. You know, they say, like, <laughs> the minute you mention the Nazis, you've lost the argument. I think the minute you, you go, I curse you. Now, who are those brothers who did that film with Adam Sandler? Safty brothers. That gem film. Am I right in thinking one of them is the co-creator and plays the director in the camera crew? That's one of the Safdie brothers? I think so, yeah. Oh my God. First of all, he's very, very young. And I found his hair hard to look at. In what way? It looks like the top part of it is glued from the top of his scalp to his forehead. And I was looking at him being like, just, just get it up. Just updo, baby. Just updo that shit. A man bun. Yeah, which, you know, I never like a man bun. You're starting, your hair's getting long enough. You're starting, it's like one of your little behaviors that you do. You're starting to like pull it into a low pony. Oh, God. (laughs) George Washington low pony. I am not here to support that look for you. But he just needs to get it up. Get it off his face. Part of the conflict in this is, is this guy is trying to make a documentary, whereas this couple are trying to present a very stage-managed version of their business. Yeah. And as I was watching it, I was just thinking, anyone 
in the fly on the wall documentary business you you would be their dream because i'm so overreactive to things yes yeah you would either become the most reviled person in the country or the most beloved when i hear you say that i think that you sound like one of these guys who just thinks his wife is more interesting than she actually is i'm not being luxurious i just think you are an extreme personality and and even if you're just doing something banal like eating <laughs> i'm a sloppy eater there's, there's, there's stuff going on. Yeah, there's stuff going on. That would be a reality editor's dream. <laughs> uh, um, so listen, uh, what I don't feel we've done is taken you beat by beat through what this show is. But that is deliberate. Yes, the less you know, the better. We also don't want to lay it on too thick for expectation management. But this feels to us like the next great thing. And we will. We will stand corrected if need be. But that is the instinct as of today. Have you watched The Curse? What did you think? Can you give us more on Nathan Fielder? He's very interesting. Did anyone feel like a little miffed by the attractiveness discrepancy that goes unacknowledged between Nathan Fielder and Emma Stone? Or am I just like being a little bit difficult and get over it a touch? But I thought it was like a little cuckoo pants. He's not an unattractive man. No, but she is faced to launch a thousand ships, and he is a strange genius director and comedian. And that that doesn't play into the storyline. The storyline, they're just kind of equals, and she comes from money, is all we know so far. But there is some very funny stuff going on with her family and how he is talked about in that family. That I don't want to ruin for people. No, but anyway, I think they have fantastic chemistry on screen, so I'm not shitting all over any of this i just i genuinely want to know if it if it drew anyone else's eye also what is the most irritating version of that you've ever seen the unacknowledged attractiveness discrepancy oh god it, i think society has come on a lot with that shit i think it's come on less with acknowledged age gaps but i think we're getting a little less of that than we used to but that's a great one also anyone else have any information on sam bankman fried because quite a few people wrote in with some stuff which i'm not going to share any of it because like legal shit and whatever but um yeah just like any any other nuggets on sbf our email address fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com and coming up next alex horn and greg davies are big big boys i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I was saying to Sarah earlier on, you cross my mind with some regularity. Right. I think Jeff has always felt a sort of non-pressure kinship towards you. Plus, you love warm, tall men. Well, dear, I think I've told you this before. I just feel like... You have told me directly, actually, Jeff. Yeah. 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 And, and I felt very comfortable with it at the time. And yeah. I said that I was more than happy to embark on a full friendship with you. I think I suggested shoe shopping. <laughs> That probably would be quite limited for me because no shoes in shops fit me. So I would just be following you around shoe shop. <laughs> so do you have specially made shoes now? Well, do you know what? When I first got a man down commissioned, my management bought me some handmade shoes from John Lobb, who are the oldest shoemaker in town. And at the time, they were two and a half grand which I, I find hilarious. And I was going to an evening do of a wedding of someone I didn't know th- that well. And I knew it was in a pub, but my mum has instilled this sort of fear of any kind of authority in me from birth. And so I, I have to have belt and braces to make sure I'm dressed appropriately. So I knew it was in a pub. I knew whose wedding it was, and it was unlikely to be formal. I'll tell you who. It was Josh Whittaker. I, I remember you arriving at the pub. I remember this. All right, you were yeah, there, Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Right, and well, you you won't remember this, but I had a rucksack of alternative clothing <laughs> items, um, two two of which were my two and a half thousand pound shoes. Now, during the night, I lost one of those shoes. Right, and, and I I always and I've accused him multiple times over the years. I always thought it was Rob Beckett had stolen it. Um, but he denies it. So it, it just fell out, and I rang them the next day. Anyway, I've got this one fucking shoe. <laughs> I rang up John Lobb, and I, went, and I told them what had happened. And they said, well, we can't make you one shoe. But why not? Why can't yeah, they? Yeah, why can't they? They, they said that, that's not their policy. And also, my shoe will be you know worn by sort of four years now, so it would never match. I said, well, I love them so much. All right, I'll just have some more shoes, mate. <laughs> Uh, and they said, certainly, they're now five and a half grand. What? Yeah, and I went, well, then I won't have them. And I know that you two share the same management. Alex, yeah. have they ever done the same for you? They haven't done the same for me. Um, although Greg and I did get the same present last year. First of all, they sent me a gun to shoot insects with. And I phoned up Greg and said he won't believe what they've got me. And I think six months later, you got yours, was it? You know they're going to listen to this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they get it right, sometimes they get it wrong. I just think since the day where I got some expensive shoes, uh-huh. they've changed their policy. <laughs> mm. But I get novelty presents for my agent, so he sort of, I think, is returning the favour. So you cross my mind quite often, Greg, and I can think what Greg working looks like, but I find it very difficult to imagine what you're doing at any given time. Alex, it's, it's easier for, for me to sort of conceive of what you might be doing in your spare time. But like if it's 11 o'clock on a Tuesday and you're not working, Greg, what, what are you doing? My answer to your question is I'm almost certainly lying down. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I've got my laptop near me 
And I probably not long woke up from my second sleep. I sleep in stages these days. Can, can you give us just a, a rough outline of the hours at which you're sleeping versus waking? I go to bed early, you know, about half 10, 11, 11 maybe. I sleep till 3. I'm wide awake from 3 till 5. This is the latest trend. Uh, I get extremely angry during that time. Uh-huh. I crack. I come in here. It's my lounge. Uh, I make a cup of tea. I listen to a podcast or something, and I, over an, another hour I drift off, and then I wake up about half nine, something like that, and I feel dreadful. It feels like you've reverted to like maybe how humans would be in their natural state in the wild. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I need to leave like a side of beef out and see, <laughs> see what it does instinctively. But you're not getting dressed. You're not getting up and getting dressed at between three and five. Hmm. And what if you're not doing a video call? Are you? I'm not dressed now. Well, this this is you know if I I don't get dressed if if I can avoid it. And I was wondering if you had a similar relationship with being clothed. I do think it's a peculiar job we do, and it's different for Alex. He's got you know a thousand children running around and, and responsibilities. Speaking of natural states, Alex, I had a question specifically for you. I have picked up on the fact that your flesh is very often on display in Taskmaster. Because you're the creator of the show, this this isn't a choice that's been foisted upon you. It's one you've made for yourself. I was wondering if you could just talk us through that ever so slightly. Mm, I think I'd deny that it's been my choice. I think I've been forced into those situations. But you just think, well, it's funny, isn't it, to have a middle-aged man semi-naked. And like you say, to, to <laughs> for the creator of the show to be naked against his will, I think that's quite funny. I think I probably want to be dominated. Is that what we're getting at? Well, you play that role very well, but I, I'd like to throw in something here. And, you know, a reluctant friendship has formed between Alex and I over over years. Mm. Years and years. It took a long time. In the same way I imagine Terry Waite befriended. <laughs> well, hang on. <laughs> Imprisoned. But one of the many things I admire about Alex is in any given situation, if you tell him to do something just for the fun of it, he will always 100% do it. Uh Yeah, I don't think there's any examples of that not happening. Greg, has your friendship with Alex, has it made you want to be more of a fun guy? No, I was already a fun guy. Oh, you are also a fun guy? He is a fun guy. He's also very silly. (laughs) we We have a tiny rap thing at the end of each series in the studio. And you'll always end up on the floor underneath Carol Vorderman and self-esteem. I did. I, I had a quite extended wrestle with Carol Vorderman and self-esteem. And was it them as a tag team versus you, or was it more freeform than that? It's more of an all-pile-on right. situation. It's like someone shouts all-pile-on, we're all going on, right? And there's always someone <laughs> at the bottom saying, I, can't, I genuinely can't breathe. I genuinely can't breathe. <laughs> yes, yes. With those celebrity versions of Taskmaster, so obviously, like, Comedians all know what they're getting in for because, you know, everyone wants to do it and they, they want the boost to their careers. Have you ever had a famous person who's signed up for it because maybe their agents told them to without seeing the show and not known what they're letting themselves in for? I think we've had comedians do that. More than, more than the celebs, I'd say. I, I mean, straight away, I'll tell you, Jamali Maddox, who I now work with on Buzzcocks, I am almost certain he hadn't seen one episode of Taskmaster when he started doing tasks and when he sat on the chair. Yeah. And I don't think he knew who I was. <laughs> yeah. And I'd say Daisy May Cooper from your same show also didn't have a clue what she's getting into. No. Do you kind of respect it? Have I, I love come it when they don't know the show. It's... When they have no clue must be actually kind of refreshing. Yeah. I love it. It's the... I, I love it when they're, they're baffled and when they start to realise how seriously we all take it. I don't think we're allowed to say who's in the next series, but both the women in it didn't have a clue what they were getting into and quite often questioned, well, why would I do that? It makes no sense. And I really enjoyed both of them because of it. 
How often does a task get completely scrapped? Not that often. So we need 30 in a series. We probably film 35. But those five will hopefully be tinkered with and improved and chucked onto the next series. And does it have to be in your head how much things cost, like a giant rubber duck as an example? Yeah, well, I think there is a cost per task. I think it's something tiny, like £250 per task, because Mm -hmm. I think limitations are good. And it's good if people at home can think, oh, how would I do that, rather than it involving some giant metal cage. You know, we don't really want specific equipment. I think the fact that it's it, it's to some degree maintained, you know, its origins, which obviously is Alex doing it in Edinburgh and things being very handmade. I, I, I think the fact that it's maintained a flavour of that is pretty important to the show. Yes. Is, is there anyone who says no to you? Well, David Mitchell, for example, has said no on the grounds that he thinks he'd be very bad at everything, which I think is a reason for doing it. I still think there's hope with him. But, there, yeah, there's others. It's just a diary thing. Like Dawn French got very close and then couldn't do it for a reason or two. So, yeah, there, there are people who we've still got hopes of persuading. And then there's people like Stephen Merchant, who I think I really hope will do it. He's not said no, but he hasn't said yes. Hmm. But, but you haven't heard of anyone who's said no because, no, it's, it's not for me, that. No, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't uh, see non, it. Non-comedians have said no because it's not for them. Mm-hmm. There's people we haven't asked because of it. Like, I can't imagine Mickey Flanagan is going to do it or... Oh, Mickey has turned it down. I know Mickey and his agent, and I, I rang Mickey's agent and went, get him to do it, and he went, nah. I can't get over the fact that, Greg, you are ringing people. You know there are people who are getting paid for that. You don't have to do it. Or I think there are. I mean, I don't know what the setup is there at Taskmaster. I always think it, it's something that gets forgotten in our business, and, and, and a bit of personal, it goes such a long way. You know, we're all such fragile creatures, aren't we? And, uh, and I think just a bit of human contact sometimes is nice. You know, for example, I asked someone to be in my show, in The uh, the Cleaner, my sitcom. Uh, I won't say who it was, but I took a punt and asked someone big, and um, they sent me just the loveliest rejection. <laughs> and if their agent had just said, nah, they don't want to do it, uh, then then I would have been... I would have been quite affronted. But the fact that I got this lovely rejection. Yeah, also, it's much harder to say no if you have been phoned up by Greg. Of course. Yeah, I, I actually go around and break into the <laughs> house as well. Have you, have you thought about how you would clean a murder scene? I talked about this yesterday, yeah. My friend and I, yesterday, we saw someone with a big suitcase. We're pretty sure it had a body in it and got pretty excited about somehow winding up in that situation. Can I tell you a thing my friend said to me that I think is one of the most perverse but sort of weirdly sweetest things anyone's ever said to me? I was on a night out. Someone had brought up the who would be the person you'd contact if you had to bury a body. And I immediately thought of my friend. And I saw him the next day. And um, I went, oh, I was chatting to some people last night. And um, I said, you'd help me bury a body, wouldn't you? <laughs> and he said, without hesitation, he said, my friend, I wouldn't even ask you what I'd ask <laughs> That's so lovely. Would you do that for Greg, Alex? Yes. You wouldn't. Well, I would ask what's happened. Would you bury one with me? I'll bury one with you. I'll tell you, no, I'd bury a body with you as well, because I, I think I know Alex well enough now, and, and if he's caused to bury a body, there's probably a good reason for it. <laughs> I, c- I can't imagine that either of you would be great with a spade, though. I've got the weight <laughs> there. Between us. So if I could be helped onto the yeah. top of the shovel by Alex. <laughs> yeah. Between us, we'll wield a spade. I have another uh, Taskmaster-based question for you both. Do you have any issues with like members of the public showing up to the house in Chiswick? I feel nothing but pity. <laughs> what I mean is it's so disappointing. Uh-huh. The house, but yeah, yeah. I think if you've travelled a distance, and, and there's been people who've travelled from another country to, to to see it, and hoiked yourself over the fence and seen that small 
some fairly grubby little house. I can only imagine the crushing disappointment yeah. you feel. We've had three proposals there, so we invited them in to do it inside. I'm sure it was wonderful, but there was definitely something underwhelming about it. It's a tiny little place. Yeah, a little bungalow. I think if you're going to make the journey, you're a real fan. You're better to you know try and find out where one of us <laughs> is and stalk. Yes. Alex, we know that Greg does does all his acting. Do you do you live with any kind of like interpersonal fantasy that you're going to get a call one day to like star in the next gritty TV drama or like do a show in the West End? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I did do a I did a sitcom last year, which um, not everyone watched in the end, but we've done a second series, and I think my acting is really good. I actually do think Alex can act because I, I did a cameo in his sitcom and now I thought that he, he surprised me. Yes, I am playing me. Yes, yes. But that's not yeah, as no, easy but, as people think it is, is it? Yeah, it is. Oh. But I also, <laughs> I do I have that fancy. playing yourself, I meant playing you. No, it is easy, I think. But because also I'd written all the words, so I was just saying the things I'd written. But I do have that fancy, Sarah, of somebody saying, I think you should be in the Snatch too, or something, you know. Yeah. And playing like a cool, hard guy. Is part of it the appeal of like getting to do something that you don't have to come up with at all? Yeah. No writing, no creating, just show up and do some lines. I think so. So I did do a part and Sam Campbell has done a pilot and I, I, because somebody else pulled out at the last minute, I was asked to be in that. But I really enjoyed delivering somebody else's lines, learning them, doing it properly. But even that pilot, I did find that the waiting's boring. There's mm-hmm. a lot of boring things about it. The actual, yeah, the process during the day is tedious. Yeah. It? Because you have to be in position. It's not like you can just lie mm-hmm. down. You're filming a conversation between three people and you're shooting it from 4,000 angles. And and you have to maintain the same position, which, you, you know, from school onwards, I've not been good at sitting still. Just lying still. But yeah, g- given, given that. that you are a very particular size and shape, is is the one person who's always your stand-in? <laughs> They've never got me a stand-in, and that's a bugbear as well because a lot of people uh, will have someone to do that, but the height always does for me. Because you complain a little bit about your size. Do you ever make sure to not do that if you're around a teeny tiny man? No, I don't think so. I, I, th- I, I think I choose my friends carefully uh-huh. so that they're, they're not the sort of teeny tiny uh-huh, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> have a problem okay okay and i've never had that people often say to me have you had small man syndrome aggressive problems and and in my whole adult life i've only had it once in um shropshire when i was a teenager a tiny man came in and threatened me because i was tall (laughs) and um just before he hit me he suddenly passed out collapsed and behind him was my even tinier mate who'd hit him over the head with a moped helmet (laughs) I can't believe you still got stories that I've not heard before. That would be that would be my main story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be the lead. Um, I watched watched your Kes documentary a few weeks ago, which I thought was new, but is it a couple of years old? As it turns out, oh, it's a, yeah, probably three or four uh, years, old. three years old, new. maybe. Um, and I enjoyed it immensely. And I was, t- I was telling Thanks. Sarah how good it was. And, and and I thought, I wonder if you need to watch Kez to really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, you you will. I, I don't think you will ever watch Kez because you would find it too bleak and too British. Well, I've got a theory on this, but I don't think that you're old enough for my theory to work. If I read the synopsis of Kez now, I wouldn't watch it mm-hmm. because I found, now that I've got to this ancient age, that I don't want to watch things that are bleak anymore because I, I, I feel like I've got enough world experience to know that the world's very unfair 
and that, you know, awful things happen to good people. So the only reason I could do a documentary about it and look back on it with affection is because I first encountered that book and film when I was um, thick-skinned enough to be able to cope with it. I can still do it, by the way. Oh, you can. Watch, you still can go watch. bleak. You can go yeah. bleak. I've watched Tyrannosaur recently, which is Olivia Coleman and Paddy Considine, and it's bleak. Yeah. Oh. No. But I really enjoyed it. I thought it was brilliant. <sighs> You know, probably the last bleak film I watched was Paddy Considine's um, Dead Man's no, no. Shoes. These yeah. things, it's, it, it's like if he gets on screen or if Stephen Graham get on screen, I'm like, I'm going to mm. have a hard time with whatever this is about to be. I don't want to bring it back to Taskmaster, but Stephen Graham was this close to doing it. He agreed because he really liked it. No! The filming schedules didn't work, but that would be great. That would be so healing for so many people because if you could be like, okay, I'm just going to watch him on Taskmaster real fast and cleanse myself of all of like the pain that I've just been put through. Greg, what have you been watching at the moment? I'm writing at the moment, so I I avoid all comedy because I'm a terrible sponge and I'll just start copying them stylistically. I I tend to just sort of enjoy a documentary watch, really. That's about it. Last Stop Larimar, it's a true crime thing where it's difficult to believe that the people are real. But I I want to say this, I've watched a film in recent times that I absolutely love. And whenever anyone asks me what I've watched, I say, you've got to watch this film. And it's a Danish film with Mads Mikkelsen in it called Riders of Justice. It's essentially the story of some oddballs finding each other underneath the umbrella of a violent revenge thriller. (laughs) I'm a miserable, cynical old git, but I just watched that film in absolute wonderment. Alex, what have you been watching at the moment? I've been watching the Cricket World Cup. Okay. I've been watching the Champions League. I watch a lot of sport. I've mm-hmm. been watching Strictly Come Dancing. Would either of you do Strictly? I don't think you should ever say say no, but it, it's something I would prefer to watch rather than uh, participate in. Yeah, I strongly believe Greg would be the best booking ever. Are you a good mover, Greg? I, I, I've got moves, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. But, but I choose how long I sustain those moves. <laughs> the best, Alex Horn and Greg Davis. I love a nice big boy, a nice big successful boy. I think it's so, we can all be nice when we're a bunch of fucking losers. Given the option in the form of a wish by a genie, mm-hmm. how much taller would you like me to be? Oh, so just to answer that, it's never a thing that comes into my head that I go, I wish, I wish that Jeff was taller, ever. Because I used to be average height and then the average changed and I'm slightly below average now. I, is it the, I, I think you're slumping more. I think you're getting a back hump. I was at the hospital the other day and I do seem to have gone down a centimetre or two. I think it's because you're of the craning stuff with your neck. Maybe my walk robot can also stretch me and help me with my posture. Oh my, did you like a little Alexander technique yes, on you? Yes. Just so you can feel that little piece of thread coming from your spine through the tip top of your head. Yes. Posture robot, walk robot, hold robot. My God, we, you know we didn't talk about this week? How I witnessed a fight at, the, at a gig for the first time ever. I know, if only we had time for that. I was fine. But I wonder if it's emboldened me in a new way. <laughs> I'm just a little braver today than I was the day before. Our first email is from Rachel Smith. Dear Firecratch and Normcore, big fan of your pod. Thanks, Rach. And keep meaning to join the Patreon. Did you mention only three pounds a month? See, I kept the compliment in because she then twisted the knife with a sarcasm. (laughs) Anyway, I do believe you asked if any part of our lives has been turned into a documentary. This BBC archive clip, she then includes the link, is from the 1980 pantomime horse show in Basingstoke. 
amazing stokemore like now i didn't know what a pantomime horse was so i read this first i read you didn't the email. Know, of course you wouldn't no certainly americans but maybe just non-british people don't know what a pantomime horse is so i read the email without first watching the clip and i was like what is she saying a pantomime horse is where two people act as the horse and one person is the front your legs are the front of the horse and then you're in the head and then the second person their legs are the back of the horse and you're the butt. That's right. So this is a story about being in one of those horses, Americans. Okay. Rachel continues, I am the back end of one of these lovingly crafted pantomime horses. Our horse was a piebald named Millie Molly Mandy. <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> to structure your expectations, I am not actually featured in this clip. <laughs> my classmate julia squib got to be the front end and we fell at the water jump and were not interviewed on camera <laughs> so you watch this clip and you just know that it's like her little legs moving in the back around basing stoke in 1980 however some weeks later when 80 pantomime horses were invited to appear on blue peter millie molly mandy was among them thrillingly whilst trudging blindly behind Julia Squibb, enjoying a marvelous view of the studio floor. So get it? I get it now. I heard the presenter, Peter Duncan, approach our horse. Peter pulled back the painted bedsheet and asked me, not Julia Squibb, but me, is it hot under there? I replied, yes. Unfortunately, our exchange, for some inexplicable reason, was cut from the final edit, but I did get a much-coveted blue Peter badge. All the best, Rachel Smith. Rachel, I love the story so much. I didn't understand it the first time I read it. Then I watched the video, lolled through the whole thing. My son is currently in hot pursuit of a blue Peter badge. But he entered a competition in the spring. They've done a special 60th anniversary Doctor Who blue Peter badge. And my feeling is... The 500 people who won one, they have them by now. But I think he, he hasn't given up hope. Sad, but I think it's important. I know, but honestly. I think it's good. He's had, you've gotten him too many nice, uh, you've done some Doctor Who shit for him already. Oh, Let mean, him get a little bit of rejection. I think it's good for him. It's difficult for Jeff to ever see our child experience like discontent. But then I think they have to feel that feeling. You have to really want that blue Peter Doctor Who and then not get it. But if anyone's listening to this... If you're sad, do not fucking send our... if anyone's listening to this and has one, I will exchange a kidney for... I will give you one of my kidneys And if I fucking intercept it in the post, I will throw (laughs) it in the fucking rubbish. I don't want my son having that badge if he's got enough. All I want to do as a parent is insulate him from any kind of pain or frustration whatsoever at all. What's so bad about that? All right. Thank you, Rachel. This comes from Ishbel, who says, Dear FCNNC... After a recent bout of food poisoning, I found myself laid up in bed for days. I'd reached my limit with light-hearted bingeable programmes like Parks and Rec and was looking for something grittier, like a proper UK crime drama. And boy, did I find one. I would thoroughly recommend A Confession from 2019. It stars an impeccable Martin Freeman, the amazing Imelda Staunton, Pocket Rocket. Oh, what a teeny tiny lady. We saw her in Gypsy. What a tiny little powerhouse. And my personal fave, Siobhan Finneran. The programme tells the true story of the disappearance of a young woman and the following police investigation. It is an astonishingly well-written and acted show that pulls no punches. The story is so shocking, you often forget that it's all true. It is a must-watch. It is available on ITVX. This is interesting because there was something about this email that was very arresting to me. Is that some kind of pun on the storyline? 
I hope not. I hope not either. But anyway, it seemed weird to me that there'd be like an amazing crime drama starring Martin Freeman and Imelda Staunton that that wouldn't have caught any traction. Oh, you know who Siobhan Finneran is, don't you? Mm -mm. She was in Time as the chaplain. Oh my God, shut up. Say it no more. And she's Happy so, Valley, yeah, the sister. Yes, I yes, get it. Yeah, of course. Because yeah. I thought Ishbel was being all like, oh, I'm really cool. I know you guys have heard of Imelda Staunton and Martin Freeman, but my favorite is Siobhan Finneran. Now I get why you said that. Thank you, Ishbel. Our next email is from Dan Johnson. Dear Firecrotch and Normcore, a few things I thought were worth commenting on from your last podcast. I remember a couple of studies some years ago about the compatibility of long-term couples. From my recollection, the outcomes were that this compatibility rests on a couple of things. Whether they both enjoyed horror films and whether they liked the same inebriating substances in similar amounts. Given Jeff's extreme aversion to horror and Sarah's less visceral reaction, I wondered if you both have similar alcohol takes so this is basically dan being like your marriage is fucked based on your relationship to horror films so you're going to be able to like manage this with alcohol consumption similarity dan no jeff as we know is a recovered alcoholic which i guess in a weird way means you can handle a lot of whether or not you can handle it is up for debate i guess you couldn't but you had a massive problematic debilitating appetite for alcohol Whereas my whole vibe is, I want my two glasses of wine, but then I'm done. But then maybe on balance across a lifetime, our intake is quite similar. Yeah, because you were done by 27 instead of dying, which was such a great choice that you made. <laughs> the classic death aid, but you said, pamwa. You said, I will not die today. So then, yeah, if I hopefully live for a while, but I'm always having my two glasses. You're, you're a little mismoderation. Yeah, I am mismoderation. So maybe, or maybe we're just not compatible, but we're in it now, buddy. I don't, this sounds suspect. I mean, I have to say, Dan, the, this the sounds veracity. really bizarre. But, uh, but, but. Was this peer reviewed? Yeah, Dan, what's your source? For what it's worth, Dan continues, me and my wife both dislike horror and partake in very low amounts of alcohol. Well, smell you. Though have greater tolerance for cannabis. Oh, okay. Now I don't trust anything you say because you're just a fucking pothead. <laughs> fucking dirty hippies. <laughs> fucking filth buckets. But thank you for listening. Please keep listening. Also, we were watching Catherine Cohen's stand-up special on Netflix a couple of days ago, and she says Hundy P for 100%, which made me wonder if it's something people say in New York or if there's some shared social group between her and Sarah. Okay, so first of all, I really love this special. You didn't love it as much as I thought it was so fucking funny. Um, I think it's something that was just sort of in the culture. But, 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 I think Hundy P. Guys, listen. Did you think I invented Hundy P? I mean, I invented Hundy P. Watchy Watchy. Credit where credit is due. But I thought Hundy P was just in the culture as a thing young people said. Without question, Catherine Cohen would have gotten there before me because she's a young person. Her whole vibe is like finger on the pulse, which is not my vibe. But I just thought it was a thing people say. But we're not in the same social circle. She's like, you know, she moves and shakes. I don't fucking move and shake. Look at me. I'm, I'm fucking, it's late at night. We're doing this. I'm with a 50-year-old man. That's not... Catherine Cohen's life. But you know what? Maybe she wishes that it was. Yeah, maybe she wishes she doesn't have that Netflix special. I know. Right, still got one, you know. <laughs> he continues. I'm not currently a Patreon subscriber. <sighs> As my financial liquidity seems to have recently fallen into a Tory inflation hall, fair. But when this reverses, I will reconsider. Thanks for your entertaining dysfunction, Dan. Do you know what's missing from our inbox? You. Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. 
This week, Greg Davis liked to watch Last Stop Larimar, which is on Max via Amazon Prime, and Riders of Justice, which you can find on Apple TV, Amazon Prime Video, and Now TV. Alex Horn liked to watch Strictly Come Dancing on BBC One and iPlayer, and Tyrannosaur. I think he's given us two serious ends of the spectrum with those two picks. Sarah watched Four Blocks on Apple TV. I watched Louis Theroux interviews on BBC Two and iPlayer and we watched The Curse on Paramount+. Plus. Well, you know what you should be getting from my voice as I say goodbye to you? Happiness? is not a destination. It's unachievable as a destination. It's a journey, Jeff. Is that right? Mm -hmm. So everyone out there, remember, journey, not a destination. There is value in negative emotions. There are biological reasons we focus on them. And this is the mantra that I heard because the lady did it at the end of the podcast. Inhale, my friend. Exhale, my friend. (laughs) Credit to the happiness lab and this lady on it. I don't know. Some of it is a little BS, but uh, you didn't hear that here. Go for it. Enjoy. Hundy P. Lovey, lovey. Empathy. Transitioning into bigger energy to say bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.